0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th.
2: The Total Soccer Show Euro 2020 edition, day 12. It's been a roller coaster of emotion for Scotland from Friday's elation of their historic 0 0 win over England to Tuesday, where the Tartan Army have reverted back to their natural default state of not being in a tournament. Meanwhile, at Wembley, Maguire was on fire, Raheem was a dream, and Saka was a key attacker as England looked much livelier for about five minutes. Has topping the group without conceding a goal ever felt so underwhelming? No one I'm with today has any experience to answer that question, but hey, my name is Ryan Bailey. Joining me today is a man who was wearing a Rangers shirt and drinking Scottish ale this very day, and his national team isn't in Euros either. It's Taylor Rockwell. Hello,
3: I was indeed. After the uh, consumption of Lefe worked to get uh, the Belgium result that Graham needed, I thought maybe I could switch to Scottish beer and it would all work out, and it did not. But...
2: I was drinking it when they scored, so I'm taking partial credit for that one. Uh, Yep, you should definitely take partial credit for it. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I should mention the thing I did. Um, After the, uh, sorry, before the Croatia game, England's opening game, on my morning run, I played three Lions on repeat. I'm serious, I did that. I did not do that for the Scotland game. I Mm. did it again this morning. Coincidence? (laughs) I I don't think so. I
3: think it's we've clearly stumbled upon the magical formula, much like my niece uh, declaring that red seats mean uh, red teams will win. Uh, My nephew did say uh, he wanted to use the blue pen because he thought the blue team would win, and then they did score, and he was very happy about that one. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. So I think, Ryan, yours is the only one that's still 100%. Yeah,
4: England's problem is that they don't play three lines enough. That's the problem.
2: (laughs) The man you just heard there interjecting is someone I'm not going to tease too much, uh, because we must remember he can't help being Scottish. It's Graham Rutherford. How are you, Graham?
4: I'm okay, Ryan. I'm okay. We got beat by a better team today. I can handle that. There was no bad refereeing call. There was no um, permutation that meant we got knocked out despite having four points or anything like that. If we get if we lose to a better team, I'm okay with that. And Croatia were the better team today, so fair play.
2: All right. Good attitude, Graham. I like it. Also here with us, of course, we have a man who knows how to use his butt to protect the ball. It's Joe Lowry. Joe, I do have a a slight sector today in that comment. I'm referring to Yaya Torre's article that was published on The Athletic today in which he talked about the importance of strength in your butt and your hips. He cited John McGinn and his butt in that article. Did you read it, Joe?
5: (laughs) I still haven't gotten a chance to. It's been on the top of my list all day. I can't wait, Ryan. I cannot wait. Yeah. All
2: right, then. Well, uh, we had two big games in the Euros, of course, to get through to today. And Graham, once again, I know the pain of losing a big game to Croatia and also deserving to lose it. So I I feel lots of sympathy for you today. I'm sorry for all your Scottish counterparts. You know, it's unlucky to go out of a tournament conceding two of the best goals. Of the tournament. Now, you did ask me. um, We did mention the other day, Graham, that England made a DVD of the 2018 World Cup campaign. Will Scotland make a DVD of that shot on target you had?
4: Um, uh, Ryan, I don't even have the energy anymore. (laughs) 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 Just let me wallow in my in 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 my misery, and that's enough uh, for me. But. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I right, don't have is, any comebacks. I don't I'm, I'm out of them. I'm
2: you've, you've grown out, me, me down.
4: You've grown <laughs> me down.
2: I'm sorry, Graham. Uh the, the half a page of insults I've written out, I'm just going to scribble them <laughs> out and we'll get straight to the description of the game. Uh, Croatia against Scotland. Croatia the home team, of course, at Hampden Park. This one finishing 3-1 to Croatia. Uh, Scotland did score their first goal in a major international tournament in 23 years. Callum McGregor on his weaker foot, no less, but that one was uh, cancelled out by Niko Vlasic and then uh, Modric and Perisic uh, waded in as well. Uh, Joe, perhaps I'll come to you first because I have an XG stat for you. Croatia had point. xg to Scotland's 1.54. What do we make from that?
5: I think we make from that that taking single game XG and using it for some of these conversations can be a little <laughs> bit risky, right? And that's XG is made to be predictive after a larger sample size. Even a group stage is not really long enough to get a, a perfect picture of what these teams are doing in an attacking sense. I've cited it on the show before, but we do need to use caution in that way because if you watch this game, and I know I know, I did and I know Graham did and I know Taylor, you watch parts of it and Ryan, but I mean... Croatia were the better team. Like Graham's saying, they really controlled the midfield. Modric and Kovacic playing in front of Brozovic in that midfield in a 4-3-3. You had Kovacic and Modric as those more advanced players. And in the central midfield for Croatia just knifed right through Scotland's central midfield in Scotland's 5-3-2. They did that a lot. And it didn't always result in dangerous attacking chances. But Croatia systematically moved the ball up the field through Scotland and did create some chances. They score three goals in this game. The XG is a little bit deceiving here for me.
2: Taylor, um, yes, what did you make of this one? Croatia, was this their best performance of the tournament so far? It certainly seems like they got it together a little more here. Yeah, I,
3: I think it, it undeniably was. And I think we saw like signs that they still have that ability to sort of electrify and score goals and put in the big performances when it really matters. I agree with Joe, though, that I think also Scotland didn't help themselves in certain ways. Uh, when we go back to the England game for a moment, uh, what, like I think I started off by saying that Scotland tightened up in the second half, and I think that came across as like saying they went more defensive. And what I meant more so was that that midfield three stayed really tight and that didn't allow England to play through them. They had to play around them. And that really wasn't what they were trying to do. I think Scotland tried to do that here today. Croatia seemed to be better prepared for it. And I saw a lot of Croatia drifting behind that three and then turning and seeing if there were openings. And if there weren't, they would cycle out to try to open up those midfielders a little bit more and somebody else would run through and then turn. And it usually was this deceptive... like oh, I'm just kind of going on a stroll. It wasn't a a dedicated sprint through, but it would be this like, oh, here I go jogging and then turning and receiving the ball. And I felt like especially in the latter stages of the first half, even with Scotland equalizing, that kept being an opportunity for Croatia, and then Scotland had to collapse, and then Croatia could move the ball wide. And that's just one specific pattern, but there were lots of those in the game that did have me, though I was pulling for Scotland, uh, concerned for them. Uh, even, even as things were level at the half, it felt that like Croatia had figured some some things out, whereas Scotland, I think, were getting chances, maybe not taking all of them as well as they could have, but they didn't feel quite as systematic, is how I'll put it.
2: Um, Graham your thoughts on that one I agree with Taylor it did seem like Croatia's midfield were, were pretty pertinent to the result here it seemed like Scotland maybe needed to do a bit more to disrupt that midfield to get the ball off them a little bit more and ultimately that was one of the um, the downfalls
4: yeah I mean I think we really missed Billy Gilmore to be honest I think Billy Gilmore would have given us a much better chance of just getting our foot on the ball a little bit and we, we hoped that Stuart Armstrong would come in and I mentioned that he'd done a he he'd played as a, in a deeper role for Celtic than he, he he tends to for Southampton in the Premier League but there's a big difference between Stuart Armstrong and, and Billy Gilmore I'm afraid in a technical sense and th- th- there's also just that sort of intangible quality that Billy Gilmore has just a sort of confidence and a swagger where he just wants the ball all the time and he's, he backs himself to kind of get get out of a tricky little situations and we just never had any of any of that, and to be honest, I I didn't really believe until McGregor scored the goal. the the the, the Scotland goal kind of comes out of nowhere, to be honest, actually. And, and at that point, I felt like Croatia were really putting their foot down, and I anticipated a second goal, maybe even before halftime. So the, it wasn't until the the McGregor goal that I and I mean I did really celebrate that, but I, I still had this sense that, and I think I said this to you guys at, at, at halftime that. Croatia had been the better team in Scotland. We would, would actually need to be much better in the second half despite being level at, at half time. And, and yeah, it, it kind of, it kind of panned out that way. It's, I think this is a tournament of a lot of regrets for Scotland between the, the Tierney injury and then Steve Clark not reacting well to that. And then it just, to be honest, it just feels cruel that we only got to see Billy Gilmore for one game, um, considering how well he did play in that game. And, and this would have been a game where we, we really could have used him against, you know, Modric and Brozovic and, and Kovacic. You know the 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 Croatia midfield liked to control games, and we just had no one to to combat that. So yeah, they they they're, they're, they were just the better team. I can have no real complaints. I, I I wish we'd also we'd kind of shown a little bit more composure in front of goal. That was something throughout the tournament that was a was a problem. Che Adams it was it's harsh to say because I think he did he did a lot to facilitate Scotland's attack, and we were much better in the two games that he played in the attack up with Dykes, but. It wasn't quite the Adams that we'd seen in the build-up to the tournament who was a real sharp shooter, a real cutting edge, and that cutting edge just kind of wasn't there in the three games he played. He missed quite a number of chances, and he missed a couple good chances in this game as well.
3: Graham, not to pour salt in the wound there, but I completely agree with you that I think this will be a big what-if, if not for the tournament, then at least for Scotland fans, of what would have happened if Billy Gilmore could have played this one. Because John McGinn did John McGinn things of being all over the place in a good way and putting in, like, big tackles and making big things happen, and McGregor obviously getting the goal, but also being, I would say, a calming presence on the ball. I thought Armstrong was the one who, it feels harsh to kind of spotlight him, but he did feel like the one who was a little bit maybe overawed by the occasion, and there were instances, especially at the end of the first half when I think Croatia weren't expecting that equalizer, so when Scotland get a few more chances, and there's one at, like, at the 45th minute plus two that Armstrong gets the ball Goes for a direct pass, has options on, and instead just plays it like straight out of bounds for a goal kick. And those were the sort of moments that I wonder if Billy Gilmore is in, in there is. Possession retained? Is the ball moved a little bit more smoothly? And I think that is probably the case for a few other players on this Scotland team. And maybe that changes with more experience, both at club level and at national team level. Maybe you get some more like sports psychiatry sessions. So you learn how to deal with those big moments and tune out the kind of uh, background noise. And maybe we do see a stronger Scotland team next time around, hopefully. Uh, But I, I thought that was sort of a big part of this game was Croatia having been in these sort of high pressure moments before. Scotland, less so.
4: Yeah and one one that was maybe one thing that I did underestimate before the tournament was just the lack of tournament experience obviously we've got a lack of tournament experience but that that was a that was a real factor and to be honest um it's only really now in hindsight that I kind of see it but Scotland's qualification for this tournament kind of came unexpectedly and before I would say we were maybe ready for it so it, in the tournament it's kind of felt like Steve Clark is Flying the plane while still building it a little bit, and so I, I think that we will be better set. Hopefully, once if we if we qualify at, 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 at future major tournaments, where we have a little bit of a you know a relationship up front in attack, because you know Lyndon Dykes didn't tr- uh, pick. Scotland to play for an international level until, I think, September last year. Che Adams uh, chose Scotland in, I think, March this year. So there's two players. You know, Nathan Patterson comes on at the end of this game for at right back, and he's he's a really bright young player, and that's why he's been brought on is just to give him a little bit of experience. But he's only... That's his first cap, his first competitive cap for Scotland. He hasn't played. Billy Gilmore's given his first start for Scotland at Wembley. Um, You know, there, there's just a number of young players who haven't really been integrated into this team properly and I think this tournament came a little bit too early for us in in hindsight and I think I can see that now. Scotland's qualification kind of came unexpectedly and through the Nations League and just kind of threw us into it and there wasn't really that build-up process that normally comes with qualification and I think if we go, I want us to qualify through a normal campaign now so we get that sort of experience and that build-up.
2: Well, in only seeing Billy Gilmore once, Graham, you've you've, uh, experienced what it's like to be a Chelsea fan in certain respects. Um, But can you can you talk us through your day? How were you feeling before this game and how did that mood change as the game went on? How hopeful were you that, you know, you had one objective that that was what you were saying before this game, that at least you knew you had to win winner takes all in this game. Right. So what what were your feelings uh, earlier on today?
4: I was, I was pretty chill up until kickoff, to be honest. I was much more nervous for the Czech and the, the England games. And um, it helped that I kind of filled my day with some other stuff. So I went out for lunch and I like cut the grass, <laughs> 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 uh, which helped take my mind off a little bit. And, and even th- as, when the game kicked off, I wasn't that nervous. As I say, it was the McGregor goal that, that, I mean, you can't see that and not, Kind of believe and think maybe it 's just meant to be, and maybe the glorious failure is just going to wash off, and we 're going to get a result that we don 't deserve, but Scotland very rarely actually every other team in the world seems to get results that go against the grain and that they don 't deserve, and that 's just not Scotland at all when we don 't play well, we lose we never we never win when we, when we, when we haven 't played well so um it was it was good though in, in glasgow I was in the, I was in the city centre, and there was lots of people lots lots of fans and Scotland shirts and lots of flags and the fan zone was, was already in, in full swing when I was down there and there's a couple other kind of unofficial fan zones. So those are the sort of things that I will remember and, and now in a sense that we've got that out of the way, like we've kind of got the sentimentality out of the way for Scotland in terms of being back at a major tournament. Now I think it'll be easier to focus on the kind of sporting side of it and actually going, right, well, now let's actually improve as a football team and and, and push aside all the other stuff. And and that's what I want us to do. I'll be disappointed of this group of players. Um, And I know maybe, you know, Ryan, you like to scoff at me talking about, about Scotland qualifying for more major tournaments, given that we didn't exactly perform that well at this major tournament. But... There is a lot of young talent. We have, I've not. There's not been a team, a Scotland team, with this amount of young talent in my adult lifetime, um, and so I'll be disappointed if this is the only time we appear at a major tournament.
2: No, you're right. I do like to scoff at you for saying that, Graham. I do. Um, <laughs> when we previewed this group, gents, how did we? How did we have it shaping up? Did we have? We didn't have Scotland bottom, did we,
5: Joe? Do you remember? Oh man, yeah, I think Joe, I think Joe did. Yeah, Joe th- did th- have
4: Scotland bottom. Um, and I think everyone else might have had check, bottom.
5: yeah, yeah. And then England top, and Croatia second. Likely, I think is what we'd gone with.
2: Okay, so do we feel like this group has essentially shaken out, Joe? How it should have done based on based on merit and performance? Do you think? I suppose I'm asking: Do you think Scotland deserved to be in bottom place?
5: Uh it's such a hard, it's such a hard question. I, I think probably no, we did. Didn't. I we, think the answer is we yes. did deserve to be. <laughs> but, but Graham, at the like, same I'll time, I make that
4: easy for you. I know you. I know you're just trying to be nice and like not offend me <laughs> or upset me anymore. But yeah, we deserve to be in bottom place. At, at I think you're probably
5: right. I think at the same time, Croatia have been very poor until this game actually, and so the fact that they are just now turning it on. I mean, maybe you take that momentum and carry into the knockout rounds, but I'm still not super confident in what they're able to do. I think Czech Republic probably deserved to be second, but Scotland on bottom does seem about right after these three games. And Taylor,
2: um, if we look forward to Croatia's next game, it's they're going to play yeah. the runner-up in Group E. Uh, maybe Spain? Maybe Slovakia? Maybe Sweden? Who knows mm-hmm. how that one's going to shake out? But let's say they play Spain. Um, that seems quite intriguing. Do you see Croatia making it any further? I think I'll think to i answer that by answering your first
3: question to Joe of like, do we think this is kind of how it was going to shake out? Do we think this is a fair representation? I think a lot of it will depend on what Croatia do in that next game because to go from winning their opener to a pretty uninspiring draw to now getting this result. And along the way, they are making changes to the lineup, not necessarily the approach fundamentally, but a lot of different personnel tried out in a number of different positions. And it felt like they were building toward This approach with, uh, Brozovic and Kovacic as your two sort of holding midfielders in the pivot. You have Luka Modric further ahead of them, but given license to Rome as opposed to sitting deeper and trying to build from there. I think we saw him in his ideal position for this Croatia team. I thought Vlasic on the right made a lot of sense. I even, uh, thought Petkovic up top made a difference for them. And and so I think if this is Croatia figuring some things out ahead of that knockout round, and so they are sort of building confidence, getting a little bit of swagger under their belt, I I don't know if that's where swagger goes, but whatever, Uh, then it then heavily depends on who they're playing. Because if it's Sweden, who are going to be defensive, do Croatia now feel like they have what it takes to build through and pass through that type of team? But if it's Spain, do they have to be more defensive? And can they do that without Dejan Lovren, who will be suspended for the, uh, the knockout round game? I don't have answers to that one, but I think you're right, Ryan. It's going to be a really interesting matchup whoever they get because i think we still have questions about croatia on a somewhat fundamental level i think they put together a strong performance here and they were able to respond when scotland did equalize but we still don't know for sure if this was a one-off or if this
2: is a sign of what's to come we don't indeed all right james we'll be back with uh some analysis of england's match with the czech republic right after these short
0: messages
1: Total Soccer Show, we have returned. Very shortly,
2: we're going to get to England's 1-0 win over the Czech Republic at Wembley. But Graham, I just have one more question for you. At full time, you tweeted, well done, Scotland NT. You've given us all some real memories there. And sincerely, I wanted to ask you, are you proud of what Scotland have done here and what they've achieved and what they put on the field?
4: Um, that's a very difficult question to answer. I think that tweet was maybe just try, <laughs> trying to uh, be nice, and so there wasn't just abuse being sent to that that Scotland national team, a uh, Twitter account. Um, the England performance, yes, I have to say, was that that one did make me proud, and I very much enjoyed. Um, you know. I'm struggling to not to swear here when I'm talking about uh, England, um, but I very much enjoyed proving England, a lot of English pundits and fans wrong. I'll put it that way. Um, So yes, proud of that performance. I thought that was the best performance of the three. Um, The Czech game killed it. I said before the the tournament that I thought that would decide a lot. And ultimately that proved to be the case. Um, So I'm, I'm proud of them for, I think, getting to the tournament I'm proud of one performance, but the other two, I think, leave uh, a lot of room for improvement
2: all right thank you graham and uh, i'm sorry for making you litigate this game so much so short after uh, so so uh, shortly after full time but we're going to move on now to czech republic against england this one as i mentioned a one nil win for england on the day of the 35th anniversary of maradona's hand of god which famously sent england out of the 1986 world cup england win the group win group d it means to stay at wembley for the next game and play the runner-up in group f the group of likely Germany. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that, but at least England have avoided the other side of the draw, which features the likes of Italy and Belgium um joe your, th- your thoughts on this one first off england registered more targets uh, not more shots on target that was three in the first 30 minutes against the czech republic than they managed in 90 minutes against scotland i saw this joe as a fairly similar pattern to england's first game against croatia where it was coming out of the blocks looking very exciting and then settling into a very conservative slightly abject pattern thereafter
5: I think that's a very good observation, Ryan. I think even we saw the Scotland game follow that pattern a little bit as well. I remember Taylor and I texting a bit about England looking bright in moments in that first half, and then it fades in the second half. Gareth Southgate seems very concerned with game management. He seems very concerned with control and having the ball and using it as a defensive mechanism first and foremost. And, and that's what we saw in the second half with England protecting that one nothing lead all of that said, England came out in this game and looked awesome. They were so much fun for the first 15-20 minutes. They played through the Czech Republic's pressure. That's how they scored the goal in the 12th minute. Saka drops in a little bit, drives the ball forward while the Czech Republic are pressing. And then it gets into Grealish's hands, not hands, his feet. And he does some work in the in the left side of the box there and Sterling finishes at home. I think that was a fundamental mistake from the Czech Republic and how they approached this game. Not that it really mattered for either one of those two teams. They're both going on. But pressing England is the one thing that I I think limits you more than anything else as a defensive team. And I saw a couple folks, really smart folks on Twitter talking about this. Carlin Cubberter is the one that I, that I pinpointed. He, he tweeted essentially how maybe pressing England isn't such a good idea, given that we've seen England struggle to create chances against a Scotland, against a more compact Croatia for a good chunk of that game. Why stretch yourself out? why extend why give them more space to operate in and and that's what ended up happening in this game fair play to england for for breaking through that but yeah brian you're right this game followed a very familiar pattern that we've we've seen over the last two group stage games
2: i think um i I know we 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 warned us against the pitfalls of xg earlier in this episode but england accumulated 0.00 xg (laughs) in the second half of this match which i think uh it shows the pattern that this game took. Um, I thought that England had much better movement. I was really encouraged out of the blocks as well and, and were quicker moving the ball, although not still quite quick enough. And I think I sent to the TSS group chat when it, when the checks were breaking, they were mo- It was like they're on fast forward compared to England. They were going so much quicker. And then this slower second half where England just tried to maintain control and it all got a bit sterile. Quite depressing. Taylor, I, I, I sort of mentioned this earlier that. England have topped the group, haven't conceded. I've got out of the groups for the first time without conceding since 1966, and we know what happened here. Yet, I still feel pretty underwhelmed, and that feels like a almost an ungrateful position to be in.
3: It does, but I think I also understand it because with the hype that was coming in about this England team and the number of attacking options there i feel like that was the sort of narrative It's how do you fit everybody in and and how do you make sure that everybody gets playing time and what happens if we score too many goals in the group stage like <laughs> and, and i think it is it is interesting that like when we exit the group stage i believe i'm correct in saying that raheem sterling has scored all of your goals uh which feels fitting given that i think i saw a stat that said in his last like 18 games for england he's scored 10 and assisted 13 or something like that which Feels ridiculous, but is also maybe a sign of, to Joe's point, when you're sitting in, then England rely on those sort of creative players who can perform on the individual level. And then when those players aren't firing, when they're not having the the strong performances or when they're tackled out of the game or marked out of the game or whatever it might be, that's when England, I think don't have a plan B or maybe a plan C, and that's where they do struggle. And I think that is then fair for you to feel like, oh, here we go. We're starting strong. We're getting a goal. We're creating chances. Everybody looks lively. Jack Grealish is uh, the new Maradona. We all knew that was going to be the case, but it's now confirmed. And then nothing happens in that second half, and it goes right back to like, yeah, it's a win, but we still don't know. And there are those teams that do that through the whole tournament of just they keep winning 1-0, and they kind of grind it out, and they're never that impressive or inspiring, and yet somehow they end up making the final and then there are the teams that do that in the group stage and get knocked out in the very first round because they were uninspiring, uninspiring and also maybe not creative enough to make something happen. And forgive me for kind of repeating what I just said about Croatia, but it, its I think it's the same for England that... If they go into the next round and they get another 1-0 win, I think that becomes sort of their identity for this tournament. And if they go in there and it goes to penalties or they end up losing, then I think we see that the chickens did come home to roost and they weren't able to build. But I think it is all about how you structure your team, how you learn from one game to the next, to keep building, to keep doing what works and changing what doesn't. And I do think Croatia have done that. I guess I'd ask you, Ryan, do you feel like England have done that? Do you feel like you've learned things about this England team such that you know this player should definitely be starting here, this player should not be starting there anymore?
2: Uh, I I certainly think I've learned that Raheem Sterling deserves to keep his place. As you mentioned, uh, he's been involved in 20 goals in his last 19 games, which is essentially the stat you were giving as well. Uh, I I think... I, I, I think I'm certainly happy with the, the back four. I'm happy with the, the defense. I'm happy with the pivot that we've got going on. And, you know, Jordan Henson came in as well um, in this one for Declan Rice, which is uh, pretty good to get him minutes as well. And I'm happy with the the trust in youth once again. Drew Bellingham getting on the field for this one as well. Um, and we can call off the search party for Jaden Sancho because he got a cameo here. <laughs> and Bukayo Saka coming on, and, or not, well, starting, sorry, and, and having a really good game. Um, Ian Wright, I saw a clip on Twitter. Ian Wright was doing the punditry in the UK. Um, He said that uh, Sucker was burdened with glorious purpose, which I understand is a Loki quote. So I like that a lot. Um.
3: Ryan, can I just say that I know you say that we can kind of like call off the search party. That feels like the the thing like the bumbling criminals would go for in Fargo of like, yeah, Jaden Sancho, just look at him from a distance. Don't try to get up close. Nobody zoom in because it might not actually have been him. He was only on there for six minutes. Like it could have been... A Jaden Sancho impersonator? We don't know for sure. Jason so we- Sancho. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, Graham knows what I'm talking about. So until we see him go on an electrifying run or score a goal from distance or something like that, I'm not, I, I feel like the search party should at the very least just be on call. They should still be ready to go if and when
2: they're needed. That's fair. Don't put the flashlights away just yet. Nah, That's fair nah. enough. Um, but I mean, I suppose I, I'm, I don't think Marcus Rashford's done much when he's, when he's come on. And Harry Kane um, had a better game here and he, had, he, he received a lovely pass from the other Harry and almost, almost got through on goal, had, had shades of that game against Croatia in that respect. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think I'm pretty happy and I'm happy with your assessment, Taylor, because what you've told me is that we're going to Portugal our way all the way to victory. I mean, it feels like, like, I think yesterday
3: I was predicting that they would win this one via like a Harry Kane creative penalty or penalty earn and win. Mm. And that did not happen. But I think the spirit of that prediction was on display of a somewhat unconvincing 1-0 win that maybe could have been stronger, maybe needed to be stronger to build up some of that momentum, but wasn't. So if they keep grinding it out, then maybe football is coming home. Uh, but if they don't find a way to maybe get another goal or two when it's needed, I think the stronger the opposition gets, the more likely that they're able to push for an equalizer or maybe a late winner. So. Uh, I think it answered some questions. I think it also probably gave England fans a few more to be asked. But for now, they're topping the group, and I think many other teams would take that. So uh, I would say, Ryan, your hesitation is understandable, but also so too is your enthusiasm for making it out. Oh, good.
2: Things can be two things, which there is we very go. much a theme of TSS. Uh, Graham, I, I know your attentions were mostly divided elsewhere, but uh, did you make any observations about the Czech Republic? Maybe what you saw is uh, similar to what was uh, what happened in the Scotland performance. I saw, you know, a team that was high pressing quite a lot. They were very sharp on the break, as I mentioned, and looked pretty dangerous in certain in certain moments.
4: I've got to be honest that my focus was on this match was largely on kind of the England side of things, yeah. and so I'm not entirely sure what I've, what sort of observations of the chair public that I could make that are more than what you've just offered. So I don't know maybe if someone else at the at the table has an observation of the well, chair, chair public. Grant,
2: what, what did you get for England? Then let's let's hear what you thought about England.
4: Well, I I thought uh, actually Harry Maguire made a big difference for England at the Mm -hmm. back. And and the thing that that I I spotted from him was how he plays out from the back. And so you mentioned there the Harry to Harry connection there that created an opportunity. And I just thought that's something that Tyrone Mings, as well as he has played at this tournament, and it feels harsh that he has dropped out because he has been one of England's better players. But that's just another dimension that, that Harry Maguire offers that, Tyron Mings doesn't Um, and so I I just think it gives England a way of playing to the right with obviously Stones is quite good on the ball so they can play to the right from Stones and they can play to the left from Maguire and even the kind of diagonal balls I think there was a a couple passes from Maguire out to Saka as well which kind of reminded me of I'm saying it reminded me of, I'm not saying he's the same player, but it's much the same way that Van Dijk kind of um, springs Liverpool forward with diagonal passes. And I kind of saw the same thing from Harry Maguire. So him being back in the team, I think is a massive positive for England. And then as you kind of referenced, I thought Saka, I just thought he gave England a bit of unpredictability, which was lacking in the first two games. I mean, the second half was a bit of a non-event, but the, the first half between Grealish and Saka... I thought that was much more like it from England. And the and the first, the winning goals obviously an illustration of that with Saka involved in the build-up with Grealish cl- cl- clipping it to the back post. So definitely positives for England. I still can't shake the feeling, though, that they're going to get put out by the first really good team that they face. And the last 16 is going to be, if I'm correct, it's France, Germany or Portugal? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it feels like Germany are going to
2: come to Wembley and, and give us a hiding, uh, to be honest. And, and I, I don't doubt that's what's going to happen. I, right. I like your... Go, go oh, sorry, go, go. No, no, no. I, I can wait. I can hold my horses. Don't I was mind. just going to say one more thing about Maguire, which is a sort of an intangible. Uh, if you're watching the footage as the game was building up, he looked like he's the kind, and we know he's the kind of guy who's like good in the dressing room. And he looked at him looking around to the other players and he had this look on his eye, look in his face, so like he was really geeing everybody up. And I think maybe that's something else he offers, a bit more leadership as well. And maybe there's that intangible um, presence that he might have in the team as well. Taylor. Um, I, I actually have a question for
3: Joe, if that's okay, but it doesn't involve rhyming or puns or insults to Scotland. So I just wanted to ask you Ryan oh, I'm Post, out. if that was okay. So <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's out my domain then. Oh, actually, no, I can do one. Uh Joe, so we sc- <laughs> we saw Scotland not be able to kind of change things up in a creative way to score goals in your face, Graham. Uh, so, Joe, my question for you then, <laughs> if Gareth Southgate were to call you tonight and say, like, hey, what's one thing you've noticed? What's one thing that might work better? Uh I'm not trying to say you know more than Gareth Southgate, but I feel like you tend to be pretty good at picking up on trends and patterns and specifically trends and patterns that work and then ones that don't. So is there a player or an approach or a little adjustment you think, You would you would just like to see England make not necessarily one that you think would like definitely work and it would change everything. But just is there something that when you watch England, you think like, ah that's just not quite what it could be. What if they tried this?
5: I'd like to see them as a neutral who likes watching entertaining soccer games. I'd like to see them just pass the ball faster. Ryan, you're talking about how the Czech Republic just moved quicker in this game. And England moved pretty quick when they were being high pressed and they could build up and then go and break into space in the attacking half. But in the second half, we saw them slow things down. They moved back into first gear. They started cruising and, and not cruising in a fun driving in a cool 50s car by a diner kind of way, but just cruising Cruising, going slowly. <laughs> so I mean, th- that's that's this team's brand in a lot of ways. So I don't think we're going to see that change. They they're going to be defensive when they have the ball, rather than really attacking when they have the ball in a lot of moments. But I'd love to see that change because there's so much attacking talent on this team. I don't care if it is Jason Sancho playing out there instead of Jaden Sancho or instead <laughs> of Saka. It it almost just doesn't matter for me who plays these front four positions or, or maybe five if you count Calvin Phillips as an eight rather than a six. It, it just doesn't make any. Difference to me, who plays Jack Grealish did some good things in this game. Mason Mount has done good things when he's healthy and not in isolation. So this is a stacked team. That for me, the biggest problem that I can see them facing is if they come up against a low block in the in the round of sixteen or in the quarterfinals or whatever, and they just can't break it down. Now, if it is Germany, if it is France, even or if it is Portugal, maybe that won't happen as much because maybe those teams will attack a little bit more. And Portugal, I'm not really convinced they can play a low block all that well anyway. But I mean, man, it is. It is the only real weakness I can see in this team is their inability to create chances against a more compact defensive setup. We saw it against Scotland. We saw it some against Croatia. But I mean, if they can get away without that being too much of a problem, I think they can roll out almost any starting eleven and still make a good run in this tournament.
2: All right. Well, if Gareth Southgate is listening, and I believe he is a TSS listener, you've just made his job very easy because he can pick anyone. Yeah. Well done, Joe. Yeah.
5: You're welcome. You're welcome, Gareth. (laughs) And
2: on that note, we're going to take a very quick break. We'll be back shortly.
1: Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
2: Total Soccer Show, we have returned. Just a little bit more on England against the Czech Republic. Joe, I think uh, I jumped on you when you were about about to talk about the Czech Republic and what they offered in this game and maybe what they're going to offer going forward. They have qualified in third place in Group D.
5: Yeah, the Czech Republic are a wild card, right? I mean, I had them in the preview and I wasn't exactly sure what we were going to see from them. They have this defensive intensity. They've played in this 4-2-3-1 from qualifying in this tournament to some World Cup qualifiers now to this tournament. So we did know some things about them, but they've come in and, and just been throwing a real wrench in this group and in this group's standings. In this game, I already mentioned briefly how I think high pressing was a bit of a mistake against England because it made England's lives a little too easy. But that is kind of a big part of how they play soccer. They will get in your face. They will press. They will compress space in midfield and, and shadow man-to-man a little bit in those spaces as well. And then they can play this compact 4-4-2 block. They can step and press out of that mid-block. We saw all of those things in this game. And we won't know who their opponent is for the round of 16 until after tomorrow's games, I do believe. But I can see them continuing to wild card their way into the round of 16 and maybe getting a result there. They... I mean, we throw around the term dark horse so much, but really, if anybody called them as a dark horse, I think they would have been right because this team truly can give, I think, anybody in this tournament a game. They're not always going to be the best team for talent, but they've shown an ability to really uh, create some muck in their group stage games, to put it that way.
2: (laughs) Check them out. Uh, Um, (laughs) Fellas, I've had just a bit of an idea um, (laughs) about the, the, the general structure of this tournament, hear me out on this format. So we've got the fourth-place finishers. Let's say we've got Turkey, Russia, uh, North Macedonia, Scotland – sorry, Graham – probably Poland and Hungary. Maybe we invite the third-place teams that don't qualify as well into another tournament, like a Nations League for the European Championships, (laughs) but we play it on the days where we don't have soccer. So, like, this Thursday is the first day we don't have a game. Then we start the, like – European Championships and we play off all the rubbish <laughs> weren't good enough teams and we have lots of fun. Taylor, am I onto something here? I think I should work for you, AFA. Do you just not want to see your family anymore? Do you want to fit in more soccer into the schedule we already have? Is that what I I'm hearing from you, Ryan? The problem of international soccer, Taylor, is there's not enough of it. There's, <laughs> not, there's not enough of soccer in general. We, we get too many breaks <laughs> from this game.
3: And not only that, but you want to take the the teams that maybe didn't have the attacking spark, didn't have the creativity to get the goals that were necessary, and you want to put them all against each other to play. Like, are, like, what if we do get the first, like, just both teams bunkering against each other, no one crossing midfield, it's World War One all over again. Like, I, I, I appreciate the ingenuity in wanting there to just be soccer all the time, and I do kind of like that idea of it just being 24 hours a day for a tournament, but... I, I do enjoy sleep, and I do enjoy occasionally uh, seeing my wife and child. So I'm going to say, if that does happen, Ryan, you are welcome to
2: cover it, and uh, I look forward to hearing it. Well, thanks for fully retiring Goran Pandev, Taylor. He appreciates it. <laughs> trying to give him another chance. Okay, I th- He's had his time. He's had his time. He has indeed. He has indeed. As we nearly have on this podcast as well, gents. But I just wanted to talk about tomorrow's games. We have another full slate. We've got the Denoumonts. Do you know Monts? Is that how the French say it? I don't know. Of Group E and Group F, Uh, first up, Graham, uh, in the early slots, we've got Slovakia against Spain and Sweden against Poland. Let's start off with Sweden against Poland in St. Petersburg. Is there anything that should compel people to watch this one at 12 Eastern as opposed to uh, uh, Slovakia-Spain, Graham? Any thoughts on that one?
4: Uh, Alexander Izak I I, um, I will be watching this one purely for him because I think he is going to score a fantastic goal mm. all on his own with no support with, from his Swedish teammates which is pretty much how he's played the whole tournament up until now
2: anyone else uh, Taylor will yeah. you be uh, paying close attention to this one uh, no, I'll definitely be watching Slovakia-Spain.
3: But I agree with Graham that I think, like, I'm hoping... That oh, wait, this... I'm
4: working Slovakia-Spain, so I'll definitely be watching that one and not Sweden-Poland.
3: All right, I feel less confident in what I'm about to say now. Uh, I, I would say that, like, there, there's a chance... We don't always get games going according to, like, the blueprint of what we think will happen. Rarely does that occur. And I do think there's a chance we get that for Sweden versus Poland because Sweden don't, like, need necessarily need to win this, but they also don't want to really lose. So we might get a more... More defensive Sweden in their four four two, sitting a little bit deeper and inviting uh, Poland onto them to attack. And if we do have Robert Lewandowski playing this game, uh, then. It seems like that is his bread and butter, is not having to like make those runs in behind a high line, but against a bunkered opponent trying to find little gaps to create something. But then also that means uh, Poland potentially overcommitting, putting numbers forward, leaving themselves vulnerable. And that does feel like an Isak counterattacking goal uh, could be in the works. Maybe we get uh, Kuliszewski in this game to start or to come on as a substitute. And again, that's another counterattacking threat. So I think... It's interesting in that regard, but I would still say Slovakia Spain is probably the game to watch tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take a lot of persuading to fully concentrate on another Sweden game, if I'm completely honest. Um, but I do, I do you like love a- discipline, Ryan. You got to love discipline.
3: <laughs> I love, I love two straight
2: lines of four. That's what it's all about for me. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Um, well, you know, if Poland do win this and Spain do not beat Slovakia, that's big trouble for Spain. What do we think about Slovakia against Spain, Joe? Uh, do Slovakia have enough to, uh, to make some chaos in Group E?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, this game's more about Spain underperforming in this tournament rather than Slovakia having a ton of juice on their own. But I mean, we know they have talent. I've really enjoyed watching Duda in this tournament, either out on the left or as a number nine dropping in and filling different space and then attacking on the counter. Slovakia are going to do a lot of attacking on the counter in this game. Spain are going to have a ton of the ball again. That's the third time in this tournament or in this group stage alone where that's going to happen. I- I'm curious for Spain. Are they going to be able to break a team down? Because against Sweden, I actually thought they did very well at that, even though they didn't score a goal. Then against Poland, it was a lot worse for me. It was more stagnant, not as much movement in behind. Which Spain are we going to see? And even if we see the Sweden Spain, are they actually going to score goals? I don't know. I, I'm very curious to watch this Spanish team to see if they can finally have an attacking breakthrough.
2: Graham, your thoughts on that one? You are, you are working it after all. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I am tired. I've forgotten what I'm working and what I'm what I'm watching. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how Alvaro Morata is not going to score. Um, but, oh, ouch! Uh, Brutal. Uh, Brutal. Will he be
2: onside? It remains a question.
4: With a clear answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to see Gerard Moreno through the middle. I mean, he played on the on the on the right in in Spain's last game, which he did relatively okay in that in in that position. I think he. Provided the assist, I think, for Morata against Poland. But I want to see Moreno through the middle. I think Morata's had his chance. I fully expect that Morata will start, though, Luis Enrique. Um, This is a hill that he is willing to die on, uh, is Alvaro Morata. So, yes, I think he will start again, and I think that is the wrong decision. I I, I honestly think Spain are in a bit of trouble. I can see that going wrong tomorrow. Of all the groups... There's always one big team that goes out, right, in every yeah. major tournament, and I think Spain are at real risk of being that team tomorrow.
2: And no less than they deserve, right, Taylor, because they've not exactly turned it on, have they?
3: They haven't. I think they've been a little bit slow in possession. They've been reliant on the you know, the number of passes. Maybe one day that will lead to a goal, or maybe like if you complete 1,000 passes in a game, then that counts as one goal. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know if Sergio Busquets returning to the team is going to help that because I don't think quick and speedy when i think sergio busquets i think he can move the ball quickly if he wants to
4: he's good at passing which it is. Uh, is exactly what spain needs at this point yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> midfielders who can pass a ball
3: so i think i think it's like that's also why i'm i'm less excited about this one just because if it is another pass 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 sort of game i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna find that as fun as a potential open back and forth counter-attacking game and the other Uh, fixture, but I think Spain having to get something here, needing to impress, I'm hoping we get a more electrifying Spain, a more exciting Spain than we've seen so far.
4: Can
5: I throw out, can can I throw out a quick, very specific prediction for tomorrow? There's not a lot of, like, uh, real meat here. I just have this feeling that Tiago's gonna start and then you are gonna complain about him, but he's actually gonna do something good. Um, I think he might bring a little bit more pace and tempo with the ball, which is something that Spain need. He didn't come off the bench against Poland. So maybe he's not in Luis Enrique's plans to start. It's, it's hard to replace Rodri at that six spot, but I could see a central midfield with, with Tiago either at the six or one of the eight spots. Tiago pace and tempo, huh? Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm talking about, Ryan. This is what I'm talking right. about.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to be lumped in to the Tiago criticism. I think no, it's wait, more what? the question <laughs> is uh, like, do, does he facilitate faster, more threatening attacks? I'm not saying he's a problem. I think it's just sort of like the veneration of his passing ability is what I think led to the teasing from us in the first place. Just that, like, his vision and his passing ability—they're—they're—they're they're, they're unlike anything we've ever seen before. He can hit another ball dimension. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that's great. Still got to score goals, though, and that would be really helpful.
5: Oh, Taylor, <laughs> backpedaling, backpedaling, backpedaling. I see how it is. I listen to those weekend review shows on Mondays throughout this season. Come on now. I don't
2: know well, what you're talking about. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's watch Joe Lowry be proved right tomorrow. And then in the 3 p.m. slots, we've got the conclusion of Group F. Uh, big one, of course, uh, taking place in Budapest, uh, Portugal against France, uh, Portugal are likely through anyway here, so not too much peril in this one. But maybe the uh, the right to face England in the uh, round of sixteen on the line. Uh, Graham, your thoughts on Portugal against France? How that one's going to shape out? Uh, oh, this is a this is a replay of the uh, of the final, isn't it?
4: From last oh time. the final, yeah, five years ago. Um, I'm actually just googling whether Cancelo is back for Portugal because I feel like they could they could do with him back, given how uh, Semedo played in, in in the last game. So if he is back. I'm afraid Google actually isn't throwing up many results on this, which makes me think maybe he isn't back. But, um, I, I think that right side is a bit of a concern for, for Portugal. Um, Semedo didn't play well at all, uh, there against Germany. France are gonna just be France, aren't they? I mean, yeah. we, we've seen enough of this team. They're gonna probably, do, um, they're probably going to win 1-0, uh, is my <laughs> specific <laughs> prediction. that okay. That's what France do.
2: Any advance on that, Taylor? Are France going to hand Portugal's bust to them like Germany did? I I think that's a distinct possibility, though I do also
3: think there's a chance that Germany ends up topping this group, because I think Hungary, maybe wanting to get that win, will be out to make something happen, and I think that makes uh, there be more opportunities for Germany to then go out and get something and uh, get the result that would put them on six points. And then if Portugal were to frustrate and play defensive and sort of slow things down and stymie France, both finish with a draw. One point each, Germany topped the group. So it basically is how do Portugal make the game go the way they want it to, play it at the tempo they want it to be played, and not leave available space behind for uh, a certain Kylian Mbappe to attack. Uh, I think however Portugal can limit France's attack will be the major detail of this one but then it is also the case that Portugal themselves a draw is okay they would certainly much rather win they cannot afford to lose I I don't I mean I guess they can because we have other teams on three points I don't know the permutations and the math there but I think that really leaves it up to let's hope things go their way and let's hope some results go the way they need to so I think for Portugal as well There's going to be a we don't want to get like uh, carved open in the opening, maybe 15 minutes, but we also don't want it to be in the final minutes and we have to get something going. So it's going to be really balanced. And I think there will be a pretty fun ebb and flow to that one, even if it's not necessarily an open attacking game. I think there will be lots of different like twists and turns along the way to this one, maybe more so than the other games we have uh, on order tomorrow.
2: I think if my math is correct, then Portugal can lose 2-0 and still stay in the third-place okay. teams because if Ukraine are on negative one goal difference, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But, uh yeah, they're, they're probably going to go through, but we shall see. Uh germany Hungary is the other game, of course, this one taking place in Munich. I don't know, Graham, this feels like this might be quite fun. Maybe?
4: <laughs> I think Germany... <laughs> maybe? <laughs> That's convincing. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think Germany are. They, it's funny how they've almost become like the neutrals' favourite a little bit because of how they played in that in, in that Portugal game. It, it was a, it was a fun performance. Um, I think a lot of that was down to how Portugal set up and how their system was a, a real mismatch for for the for the German system. But I, I want to see uh, Kai Havertz as the as the kind of centre forward again. I thought that worked really well and and, and brought a bit of balance to. To uh, to to the German team. I'm just uh, uh, unhappy that this game isn't being played in uh in Hungary's uh, Puskas Arena, or th- as we uh, decided in the last podcast, the the WeWork the WeWork office. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm hopeful that the Allianz Arena that you know they're going to have some WeWork desks at the side, just purely for nostalgia reasons, because that's one of the moments of the tournament so yeah. far for me.
2: It'd be some good German efficiency to be combining some businesses at the same place as well, I'd say, Graham. Um, Joe, any thoughts on Germany-Hungary? I'm going to say more confidently I think it'll be fun just because how fun Germany were against Portugal.
5: I also think it'll be fun, because Hungary wants a win, they're still gonna defend in that 5-3-2 shape, but they're gonna need to, to do something in the attacking side of things. In Germany, we're, we're incredibly fun to watch against Portugal, and I thought they did some really good things against France, too, in terms of ball progression. I think we're gonna see a lot of touches for the center backs for Germany, uh, Rüdiger especially, maybe getting forward on that left side and getting Gosens involved. On the left, I I think this is going to be a really entertaining game. Both of these last games in Group F with everybody still alive, I think it makes for a really fun last bit of the group stage for this tournament. Mm. And Taylor, isn't it fun that Germany
2: kind of finding their form when they're a week out from beating England at Wembley? (laughs) <laughs> so I actually I, I know that th- this is an opportunity to talk about Germany, but before we go,
3: I think I'm going to try to be very very positive to make Ryan and Graham happy, uh, and I'm going to start with England by saying like l- like taking this from a before the tournament starts standpoint, Ryan. I think if I offered you England topping the group in I would say pretty comfortable fashion uh, and not conceding a goal. Raheem Sterling has, has has two goals on the tournament. Like I think you maybe. Maybe you would want a little bit more on the attacking side, but I think overall, to to make it out without conceding, to finish top of the group, to not have any like really wonky results, and instead the only draw that you have is against Scotland, where I think there's so much emotion on the line, and there's like the the underdog nature of Scotland and fighting for every single yard. That like for England to not end up losing that one, that could have been a kind of disastrous disastrous result. And then I look at the Czech game where like what they make three subs around halftime do the Czech Republic, and they take out a lot of their starters. And I think both teams are sort of okay with that one finishing as it did. Neither team really trying to really go for it in that second half. And so if you write that off, instead of it being a very kind of boring end of the group stage, I think it's it's a more, I guess, consistent England performance, if not inspiring. But I think that is like a good foundation upon which to build as you move into the knockout round And I think topping the group is you know no small feat for scotland graham i think like you get the moments that were were sort of exciting there's the result at the end there's the draw with england even the goal today it was so fun to see the the people watching in scotland and how much that meant to them and i have to believe it meant a lot to people who this is where i'm taking it is like in the future you're going to have some people who are deciding do i want to represent scotland or england or maybe ireland and there's going to be options there for certain players and does a 21-year-old striker who's debating between England and Scotland want to tie himself to a team that don't go to international competitions and don't do much and aren't that exciting? Probably not. But does a 21-year-old striker who maybe won't break through for England but could be an important player for Scotland who do now go to tournaments and are fun and do have a little bit more of a, a backing than maybe they expected? I feel like there are positive signs there for the for the future of the Scottish national team. So I think England and Scotland should be... Uh, Somewhat happy, maybe England more so than Scotland at this point, though.
2: Yeah, and my happiness is uh, also increased by Scotland finishing bottom as well. So there's that to consider as well, Taylor. <laughs> I was trying to end it on a positive note, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry ride wouldn't let that happen, but also I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> surprised by it either. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but I do love you ending on a positive note, Taylor, because that's why we love you indeed. Taylor's Rock Coil, keep on being positive, buddy. Thank you very much for today. Meh. Nah.
5: <laughs> Joe Lowry we love you we'll see you tomorrow oh thanks Ryan and thank you for doing the great job that you always do
2: and Graham Ruthven thank you for fighting back the sharp hint of new tears to quote dashboard confessional uh we live to fight <laughs> another day
4: <laughs> thanks Ryan am I on tomorrow's podcast or was my contract only as long as Scotland <laughs> were in the tournament
2: <laughs> yeah we'll have you back in another 23 years or so if that's okay
4: all right okay cool see you in 23 years it,
2: it was either it was basically we were gonna the,
3: the truth is we were like we were gonna end it after the group stage but uh, it was conditional upon if Billy Gilmore stays fit for the whole thing and since he didn't you are now extended through the duration so uh, his oh, loss is your game Taylor, don't
4: mention Billy Gilmore again please oh. I'm still sad
2: <laughs> we've spent so long today talking about a player who didn't play uh, anyway <laughs> we're heading off now we'll catch up with you on Wednesday's show
3: thanks Bye.